Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and thanks for downloading Beyond the Balls. You're listening to our 10th episode. Beyond the Balls is a co-production between Women's Sport Australia and Wisp Sports. We're your hosts, Ella Smith and Georgina Mallon, here to discuss all the topics on women's sport off the pitch. Hey Georgina, how are you going? I'm good, how are you Ella? I'm good, I'm very excited. We've got a basketball legend who we're speaking to today, so let's get to it. Yeah, so today we welcome Sandy Brundello. Sandy is an Australian women's basketball coach and the current coach of the Phoenix Mercury of the women's NBA. Sandy played 302 games for her country, which remains the third highest total in Opal's history. During her 17 years of playing with the Opals, she competed at four World Championship tournaments and four Olympics, meddling at three of them. She played 10 seasons for the Brisbane Blaze in the Women's NBL and was named the Player of the Year in 1992 and MVP 1995. She also played in the German League um, team from 1992 to 2002 and in 1998 was drafted into the Women's, MB, uh, women's National NBA. When we play, um, when she played, where she played for five years, Sandy was inducted into the Australian Basketball Hall of Fame in 2010, and Sandy has been coaching in the Women's NBA since 2005. And in her first year of coaching, the Mercury was awarded the Women's NBA Coach of the Year for her history-making season. Welcome, Sandy. Oh, thank you, ladies. It's it's great to be joining you today. So, Sandy, we'll start off. We'll go back to your childhood. You grew up on a sugar cane, sugar, sugar cane, pardon me, farm in Queensland, and started playing basketball as a kid. How did you go from here, this rural town in Queensland, to the national team by the time you were eighteen? <laughs> uh, look, that, that's always a great story. I think um, you know, I, I did. I started when I was nine years of age, and I was doing other sports and track and field. Um, you know, which I was, you know, I was pretty good at, got some speed from there. But I, I, I think growing up on a sugarcane farm, I helped my dad out on, on the farm with changing pipes. Uh, they didn't have the big sprays back in those days. Um, so I was quite strong and I don't know, I just had a, had a natural talent for basketball and I fell in love with it from the, the first day I actually played. And, um, and, and it's not that I did a lot of training, to be quite honest. The training, the most training I did was really leading into an Australian championship. And my dad put a, a backboard made of just you know pieces of plywood and he put them together painted them and put them on a, our water tank in the backyard so I'd do some skipping and and shooting and um yeah so it was uh you know my success uh you know from a young age even from a rural town I like to talk about that because people think you can't um you know achieve your goals uh from a small city like that and you know I think if you have the right mindset and you continue to work hard everything is possible yeah. 
So Sandy, you played 10 seasons for the um, Australian Women's National Basketball League, 10 seasons in Germany where you won 10 national championships and then you were drafted into the um, Women's NBA in 1998. What was the transition like from playing in the Australian and German leagues to then playing for the Women's NBA? Oh, oh I mean, that was, um, you know, you always, you know, winning our first ever a medal for... Um, you know, for basketball, for both men and women was just amazing. And, and um, I think it was very an emotional time. And we've been, you know, we missed out on the 1992 um, Barcelona Olympics because we failed to qualify. So to go from not playing and then to get the bronze medal, um, you know, obviously we were very proud of that achievement. And, um, you know, you, you always remember that first medal, but it, it, it kind of motivated us to, to be, to do more. And, um, and we had a great bunch of girls. We had a great coach. Uh, and like, you know, I suppose we went on to, to win another medal in, in 2000 and 2004 before I retired, but they've won more since then. But yeah, great experience, great memories. Yeah, so you retired from playing after the 2004 Olympics, as you said, after having played 302 games for the Opals and also across three national leagues. So obviously you had so much experience. Was coaching always going to be your next step? Yeah, yeah. I, I always knew that's what I wanted to do. My um my husband, um, he's a he's a coach and he's been coached for a long time. He coached he was one of the coaches over in the team that I played in Germany. And, you know, I, I saw all the preparation that went into it and you know, this is my greatest passion. I love playing the game and I knew I couldn't do it forever. But, you know, the last few games it was uh, last few years of my career, like you started getting more interested in, in the coaching, how they did it, what they did and all the work that went into it. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I, I say I've got the best two jobs in the world. I'm, I'm a head coach of the WNBA team with the Phoenix Mercury and also the Australian Opals coach. Yeah, it's a pretty good resume. <laughs> so when you joined the WNBA as a coach, um, you became assistant coach for the San Antonio Silver Stars in 2005 and then head coach in 2010, which was a position that only lasted one season. Now, obviously, you've been around, you know, the cutthroat nature of competitive basketball and WNBA and really any competitive sport for some time. But was it a different or more difficult experience when you were the coach um, when that season ended? Um, I see you talking about when 2010, when I was 2010, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, obviously, I was um, pregnant that year, and I probably, when I look back, I probably actually shouldn't have coached. Um, we, and the reason why we took over because the the head coach, um, the WNBA decided there's only going to be one assistant, and um, so you know, I was promoted, but I had a baby, um, during the season. And I came back eight days later and I was traveling with two kids with my husband. He was the assistant coach. So it was, um, when I look back, I think I was just totally exhausted to be quite honest. Um, but we made the, we made the playoffs and, but you know, the other coach was obviously going to come back and we had a one year contract and um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, you realize how cutthroat coaching is, but I was grateful for the opportunity. And then, you know, the next few years I went on to Los Angeles and I became an assistant coach there. And I was coaching um, an assistant coach to my husband in Russia, in Ilgemka, in Katharinburg for five years. And then, you know, I coached some other great players and got an opportunity again. And, you know, I think it, it prepares you, you know, as a young coach, you kind of, you kind of learn from every experiences that you have. Um, and that was my goal. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, okay, okay. I need to get better for that next opportunity that came along and, and it did come along. And, um, you know, I think we've had a, a pretty, uh, decent run. Um, I would like to have 
won a few more championships, finished Mercury, but, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, it's been a great, um, you know, experience overall. Yes, as we were saying, you became the head coach of the Silver Stars in 2010. You were one of seven female head coaches of the 12 teams. This year, there, there are only four female head coaches. There's been calls to improve the pathways for ex-women's um, NBA players to become coaches. Do you think there, there needs to be improvements to the system or better promotion of women in coaching positions? Or is that just that these current coaches are the most suited to the teams they are coaching? Yeah, look, obviously, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think, um, I think we would like to see more female coaches um, in the WNBA. But, I, you know, that's up to individual organisations too. But I suppose as a former player, I, um, I think we're on the right track. I think more, there's more assistance as former, former um, WNBA players now in these positions with all, all the teams around the league. And I think that's great. But... Um, you know, hopefully that will change. I, I, I think, you know, only four out of 12, I think that's probably not good enough. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, continue to give opportunities for, you know, other, other, a lot of other great coaches out there that just probably just need that opportunity. But we have a lot of experienced coaches here too. So, um, you know, we'll see what the future holds. Sandy, I want to talk about the new collective bargaining agreement that was brought in earlier this year. It's, it's pretty amazing from what I've seen. It introduced some major changes to the previous agreement. The salary cap is 83% higher than it used to be at 215000 US dollars. Players will share a higher percentage of the revenue stream. Um, they can get maternity leave with full salary and some players can receive up to $60,000 in reimbursement for costs related to fertility treatment, surrogacy and adoption, which is just such a step forward and, you know, probably one of the only leagues to have an agreement such as this that I'm aware of. I'm wondering how this agreement influenced your team and your coaching, especially as someone who has been affiliated with the WNBA for so long as yourself to see how it's changed over time. Yeah, look, I, I think that this new CBA and, and being a former player, obviously an organisation, I, you know, the players are the product and and we need to take, sorry, did that interrupt? Um, and we, the players are, the, you know, the product and we need to continue to, um, you know, support them in every way possible. Um, and I think the WNBA and the, and the union came together and, um, you know, with the help of the, the top players overseeing, the union as well and, and, and got a great agreement look I when I first entered the lead I was a, a fourth round pick and I was got $19,000 um, you know so now you know the minimum wage is so much higher you talked about how much how much it's increased over the years and it's good that players you know obviously everyone has to go overseas and earn their salary so it, it, it gives them those opportunities or maybe I don't need to play all year round um, because the salaries are getting higher and higher now, not obviously for all players, because you still have to fit it under a salary cap, just over a million. Um, but I think we're on the right track, and you know we're we're females. You know, some of, we have a lot of players that are are, are mothers. Um, I have two, three on my team, and I'm you know obviously being a mother myself, I'm very we're very family oriented, and um, I love having the kids around. I think that kind of gives everyone the balance. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's great that, you know, women are supporting women and, um, we continue to grow the, the league in the right direction. Yeah, there's definitely been an improvement in the coverage of women's basketball, even at the moment, um, the WNBA's competition bubble is actually attracting more te television, television coverage than normal. 
obviously the goal is for the WNBA to have a similar reach as the NBA, which is quite a lofty goal because the, the NBA is massive. What do you think needs to happen to boost the coverage and fan base of the WNBA? Uh, look, I, I just think it's it's all about getting exposure. And even though this is a, um, a crazy situation that we're in at the moment with the pandemic and having to play a season, a, a condensed season in a bubble, it's on the other side, on the pros of it, we've been able to get a lot more exposure, um, particularly when other sports weren't playing. Like it's the most that we've um, ESPN, ABC or any national TV has televised our games. So I think that what it's about, I think if we can get more eyes on um, watching our product, I think that's where we can gain a lot of fans and, that, and, then it, and then that helps get more corporate support too. I think we're on the right direction, but what you have to remember too, the NBA is so much more older than us and, and they're going, you know, we ha we're going through what they did in the initial years of their growth. Um, even though we're 22 years of age, it's still, you know, um, a, a league that's still growing and it gets better and better. And, and, you know, obviously the, the wages in the NBA are crazy, whether we, it's nice to, to, to get someone like that, but will it happen? No, I don't think that's what we're after, but just, you know, decent salaries that, um, you know, can, can, you know, support a family and, and earn a really good uh, living from. But um, I think individual players are being promoted way much better. And you know what really helps? The NBA players love, uh, they watch the WNBA and they love the players and they're tweeting their social media. And that certainly helps as well too. So, I think we're going to go from strength to strength, but like, I think, you know, not just the NBA players, but the, I think a little bit more media coverage and which is what we've been getting has helped our exposure to grow. Yeah, definitely. So what is it, what is it actually like co from coaching a WNBA team to coaching the Australian Opals? I can imagine there are different pressures and different expectations with both teams. How do you transition between the different coaching environments? Um, yeah, look, really, in the end, it's just basketball. I mean, and my job is to prepare the team to be the best team they can, they can be. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's we, we need to learn from, um, you know, the, the losses that we have had. Um, you know, 2018, we had a really great year. We finished with a silver medal at the World Cup. In 2019, we really didn't have much time together. but And we weren't never... Um, as good as we could be. So it was a learning experience, but that's the only way that we're going to continue to get better. But look, um, the, the difference, you know, obviously number one Australian team is they're Australians, um, you know, so, so we're totally little different personality, um, you know, um, what we, how, how we are. Um, but it, it really, and there's, but it's really not that too much really. I mean, um, you know, they're, these WNBA players too. I mean, I've got some of the best players in the world too, but they're all, you know, they're competitors. They want to win. Um, you know, it's just, you know, the, the system really that I play with both teams is very similar because I have similar kind of players like Liz Cambage and, and is a superstar. Obviously everyone knows of her in Australia, but also I have the, the USA starting center in Brittany Griner on my team too. That's six foot eight. So very similar um, players that, that I have. And, um, I don't change too much, but I think the biggest change is obviously the, the rules, the WNBA rules, some of them with the timeouts and certain situations are different than FIBA rules. Um, you know, there's a, we don't have a defense, we have a defensive three second um, rule here on offense and, and, and defense in the WNBA, whereas in FIBA you don't, and we have less timeouts in FIBA. So that's, I think that's the only adjustment I really have to make. 
Yeah, so the Opals are, are, like you said, did quite well in 2018. They're ranked second in the world um, behind the USA at the moment. Um, so we've got the WNBL in Australia, the, the National League. And we've got such amazing players, like you said, going over to the States to play, going over to Europe. Um, with Australia's, you know, high ranking and amazing players, where do you see the future of women's basketball within Australia going? Well, I, I think we have a great product, to be quite honest. I think we go from strength to strength. Um, and even though we won't have imports this year, whenever we can get this season started because of the, you know, COVID, um, we've got 11 of the 12 Opals playing, all playing in Australia. Um, so I think that is great. It's not just for the Opals, but just for the, the standard of the league, the competition. You know, there's only eight teams, but the, the strength is really at a high level. Um, you know, and I think the only thing, it's just like the WNBA. It's like the way to promote a game is to getting more national TV exposure. Um, I think we have the product and now it's just, you know, um, you know, getting those opportunities to be on TV more, more often. And for, and, and for the product to get to know the Opals players as, as individuals, because they're, they're not just basketball players, some really unique stories out there, which, um, you know, I think we're getting, people are getting to know them more and more. Uh, with the you know, the social media and we're getting more publicity, but hopefully we can continue it to grow. And so, you know, you, everyone's talking about everyone in the Opals, like they know who they are and not just, you know, uh, Patty Mills and Joe Ingalls on, on the boomer side. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely been such an increased um, engagement, I reckon, with the Opals over the past few years. Now, we have just one more question for you, Sandy, and that's where, what's next for you? Are you, obviously, there's not a lot you can do at the moment. You're in the bubble, um, in the WNBA bubble, coaching for Phoenix. You're coaching for the Opals. Do you have anything else on the agenda coming up? <laughs> Look, on my agenda, would hopefully finish these next 11 games in the bubble on a, on a high and, and get to the playoffs and, you know, win a championship. But uh, uh, that would be the, the first thing on my agenda. Um, but look, you know, with the Opals, it really depends on, um, you know, COVID. I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen. Uh, we're supposed to have a qualifying uh, tournament in November um, and then in February. So we're still waiting to see if that will go ahead. Now, it really just depends on, you know, how, how we can recover um, from the situation we're in at the moment. But look, 2021 could be a really big year. Hopefully everything gets back to being normal. We've got some... You know, we've got the Olympic Games and then we're into the next qualifying um, for the World Cup. We have the World Cup being held in Sydney in 2022, which is going to be fantastic exposure for us. And um, hopefully we can, you know, be, have a successful campaign in, at the Olympics and, and, and like I've seen, grow, grow the sport. And then in the World Cup, having it in our home country, um, you know, everyone's going to get a unique opportunity to see not just the best Opals, but the best players from all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for your time today. We really enjoyed the chat. Thank you for giving us your time. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sandy. That was such a great conversation with an Australian basketball legend. Head over to wispsports.com to find the show notes. You can find Sandy on Twitter at sbrondello. You can find Wisp Sports at Wisp Sports on all socials. And Women's Sport Australia is at Women's Sports on all socials. Or if you'd prefer to email over social media, you can go to info at wispsports.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We've spoken to some amazing sportswomen and are so grateful for their time. We'll be back in two weeks with another fantastic guest.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.